Welcome to That's What Nee Said. I'm Nee, a mother and an entrepreneur. This is my journey to find a footing in life, well, at least try to, and what I have to say about it. Hey, everybody! How was your week? First of all, I want to say I noticed. That the number of play of my episodes have gone up by quite a lot. I mean, it is still nothing compared to you know your typical popular podcast, but still, I really appreciate whoever tuned in recently. I really appreciate it. And I don't know which platform you have received information about me. I just want to say if what I say or what I'm experiencing, what I'm learning, resonated with you at all in any way, I am extremely honored, and I'm. Happy that that's the case. A few interesting things happened during the past two weeks. First of all, I recorded my last episode actually extremely timely, but I never got around to uploading it. So I just this will be a double drop this week. I hate to throw it onto you like this, but I'm just oh things things getting away. So a few things that happened.、Um, if you had listened to my previous episodes, you know I have gotten a ticket. For failure to move over in, which is a law in the state of North Carolina. You know, the only thing I wish would have happened was that they had at least advertised about this law, as much as you know they would advertise the putting on your stupid seatbelt. Like, who doesn't know to put on their seatbelt this day and age? Why do we still need to advertise it instead of this extremely negligible thing? Anywho, ticket was issued. I had to find representation because I honestly don't know what to do, and I don't want this thing ending up on my record, impacting our insurance, and a whole slew of problems. So I listened to some friends'、uh, suggestions and found representation, and they've been kind of trying to get continuance from the court to a point where they think, you know, what、uh, I think the judge really wants to get this one over with. So I listened. And even though it was not completely necessary, I chose to actually go to court to really observe and learn about this process. Hopefully, this will be the only time I have to do this, but I do want to see it for myself. So the day of, I cleaned up, dressed up, and went to the courthouse. A few things kind of caught me by surprise. The first one was when I walked into the particular room that I needed to be in. I was honestly stunned by how many people were sitting on the bench waiting, and then you know people continue to come and go. But still, I think the room maintained somewhere around fifty, sixty people at any given time, and the majority of them did not even care to wear a button-down shirt. Again, I didn't grow up here, so I, all I know is what I've seen from TV. And you know, obviously, on TV, it's more dramatic. It's usually like a murder trial or something. But it just kind of—I assumed you have to be somewhat presentable and businesslike, or treat it seriously when you have a court appearance, as minor as it might be. But I got some serious looks when I walked in the room. <laughs> People don't know what the fuck am I so dressed up for? And it was nothing crazy. I wore like a dark green blouse, like a work blouse, button-down blouse. And a black pencil skirt, black tights, and black shoes, and that's it. There's nothing crazy. And then the second thing that caught my attention immediately was 
how seemingly complex the operation is, just between the attorneys, the clerk, the judge, and there is another position, somebody, I don't know the title of their position. There are four main components and some police officers sitting by the side because they, they might be called upon as an involved party. And it's just the passing back and forth of paperwork. And I was watching like different kinds of paperwork, different kinds of folders, different kinds of envelope. It was just constantly going nonstop. And the different attorneys from different firms, they're just constantly walking in and out of the courtroom. They're in different clusters, unnecessarily chaotic. It's just really hard to understand, you know? Why so complicated? I, I mean, I know there is a reason. I'm sure there is a reason, but may be helpful to kind of educate us on, give me a pamphlet or something for me to read while I'm waiting. One thought I did have as I was sitting there was because you do see so many different things, different violations, right? And I was thinking, well, I wonder if high school kids or middle school kids ever get a chance, like this is a, a type of a field day. The school organized for them to sit quietly in the back of the room just to observe. After I came home, I asked my husband about it, and at least it wasn't the case for the school that he went to. So I'm just curious, why not? What's the legal restriction or liability in terms of having kids observe these kind of events? I mean, I'm not talking about having them sit in the same room with violent criminals, but just people with these minor offenses. They should, if they're learning it from the books, and then they're sure as hell are not going to retain it. But when you're sitting in the courtroom and you're watching the judge kind of thinking about it, referring to certain clause and then giving out certain sentences and making certain judgment, I personally, I would have appreciated. I mean, I probably wouldn't when I was a teenager, but I was also not the best of teenagers. I kind of have higher expectations of the kids today. And I would just hope if they weren't also, because you, you can't really use your devices in court anyway, when you have your full attention, I would hope kids who have slightly more focus than I had to learn a few things, especially, you know, realistically speaking, depends on where you're from. These information are crucial for preventing you, you know, quote unquote, getting in trouble with the law for no reason or for or for something that's completely avoidable. So if you're listening to this and unlike me, who is from a completely unrelated field, I don't even know where I can start. If you work in a profession where this is a possible option for you to explore, I do think it would be beneficial for society in a whole, but especially for those kids who get this opportunity. So I waited and waited and waited. Eventually it was my turn. And I have communicated with my attorney prior to the court date. They told me basically I'll be called upon and then he will state my case and now he will ask me to state my case and then we'll wait for the judge to give a result. But when I was there, I didn't actually get a chance to speak. My attorney basically, you know, briefly described why I was there, what I was charged for. That sounds so serious, but I guess that's what I was charged for. And um, the judge didn't seem to be interested to hear my side of the story at all. I mean, it's a long day. And uh, in hindsight, I think I was, my case was heard five minutes before they went on lunch. So they're probably just trying to get me the fuck out of there. 
And uh, and my, uh, my attorney did tell me, I mean, best case scenario, they will scratch it because it's really is not a serious thing. Worst case scenario, I might have to do some community service, which I'm okay with. Obviously, I would want to volunteer to do to serve my community on my own terms. But if this is what it comes down to, I have no problem with that. So after I was told I have to do 24 hours of court ordered community service, I was let into the corridor, met with a different, um, was it officer? Well, he's not really technically my parole officer because I don't have one, but it's the similar nature. Like if it was a more serious offense, then that person would have been my parole officer. I, I'm glad I actually get a say, like I can pick who I want to volunteer with. And I have about six weeks to finish it, which, which is ample time, even though I am, I would obviously want to use those for more productive things. But, you know, this, this is life. It's came down to this. I have to do it. Six weeks, I can deal with that. And I'm not the best at finding silver lining over things. But I did come to see it this way, that I have talked about wanting to give back to my community, wanting to do volunteer work the past two years, and I never got to. I have never really made good on the promises I have made. And I see this as the way universe is forcing me to really practice what I preach. So it will start this Saturday and then, you know, the following weeks, I'm just going to try to get it done as quickly as I can because I have quite a bit of holiday orders to fulfill. And I do want to maybe take a week or so off when it's, you know, the two weeks between Christmas and New Year. So I'm working on that. So that was me kind of dabbing my toes in the judicial system, just really being in the environment and just to put myself in the situation, like, honestly, I, again, it was not a big deal. But when I was sitting in that room, I still felt really unsettled. I felt really anxious. And I could just try to empathize. If I was a teenager, or somebody in their early 20s, and you know, things happen so fast, one thing led to another, and somehow you ended up in court, how terrifying that must have felt. Then yesterday, even though it almost didn't happen, we still made it to the booth to vote. We've all been out of this for so long. My husband has been living out of the country for at least the past decade. There is no better way of saying it. We went to the wrong location the first time around, and it was already like an hour and a half away from closing. I was so close to just giving up, coming to the point there, thinking I was trying to convince myself that my one vote truly, truly does not count and my husband was not willing to give up and we drove to the second location and then that was the right location getting line wait vote we brought my daughter along obviously because nobody is here to watch the kids for us and she asked a lot of questions and then she expressed voting is boring and then we told her well yes it is boring but it's also very important work everybody needs to do their part answer a lot of questions and we got it done and i didn't even post a selfie with my upvoted sticker on facebook even though it was still far from perfect. This time around, I definitely learned more about how local governments work, at least locally, who I want vote for. In terms of senates and all that, it has been decided in our state. That really, truly did not matter. I have to say, after we've all voted, there was definitely this sense of relief because you truly have done your part and there's not really anything else you could do short of, you know, running for something yourself. And um, we felt pretty 
chipper came home. I was so glad I was, I actually made a pot of chili. I set it on the stove. It was going to be for dinner next day because we were going to go have dinner downtown after we voted, but that was the wrong location. So that didn't happen. So when all is done, I was glad I had a pot of chili sitting on the stove to come home to. That was a really good end of that day. That kind of concludes the part of life that makes me want to yank out every single strand of my hair. The other part, which equally stressful, but at least I'm working towards something for myself, is I have been really trying to think where to take my business next, how to develop it. Because there are so many people with success stories, but when you read it, nobody can achieve overnight success, right, in this line of business. So you will read, oh, this team, husband and wife, friends, or just a designer on their own, very rare. Nobody can do anything alone on their own the way I am fucking having to do. But you kind of read their story, you are like, oh, they started with something small and over time. And then you look at like, what is the quote over time? How long did it take for them to kind of take off or reach the next level? It's like five to nine years and anywhere between five to nine years. And so I thought, ugh. Great, great. I have that to look forward to. I'm in year two of treating this seriously. It's just a moment to remind myself to take a breather because it ain't going nowhere fast. That being said, if this holiday season all the way up to, I want to say, Valentine's Day, if you want to commission me for a portrait for your families and friends, girlfriends, husband, boyfriends, whatever, pets, fur scale furless whatever you have if you want to commission me for a portrait of them in the next week or so i will start a campaign that offer a certain amount of customers a 25 percent off that's a quarter and that's a huge huge sale and along with the holiday guide and some of the new products i've been working on so please stay tuned it's going to be fun it's experimental I'm trying to keep production as local as possible. Even in the huge catalog of things that we can make, me and my business partner here, we try to pick products that are completely made in USA or it may be the, the, maybe the material is uh, from global sources. At least have it assembled in the USA like as much as possible. We want to keep it here. But that raises the cost by so much. And to give you a simple example, we were talking about ideas for packaging because it's holidays. It's going to be presents. You want it to look good. The boxes and the kind of packaging that we want to use. And if you buy those things, if you wholesale buy those things from a different country, it could be somewhere between 13 cents per box. It's fairly small. You know, I'm not talking about clothing boxes. 13 to no more than a dollar. But if you want to get those boxes completely sourced and ma manufactured in the States, and then, you know, plus printing and everything, it run up to like $5 a box. And that's the kind of difference we're talking here. I mean, I am super small operation. I'm researching and trying to do as much in-house as I can. But it is just, I, I kind of get a taste of why business owners continue to choose to outsource these things outside of the states because the customers simply are not willing to pay more or the customer base is small or you know in terms of i got to develop my online audiences a little more following a little more because in terms of locally 
people within this vicinity simply are not willing to pay the price that you ask for to make a profit. So this quest continues. Please bear with me. And I can really, really, really use your support. If you're a friend, if you're a family, and you have starting to consider sending us anything for the holiday season, please don't. We have everything we need. Just support us, support our business as much as you can. That really is the most important thing in our lives right now. I have received an incredible amount of support and opportunity and trust from the people I have encountered since we moved here. And I'm incredibly grateful. And I'd have to count on your support to help me enter the next stage. So right now, if you're not driving, please visit lightsandlines.art. That's my website. Look at my work. Commission me for a small piece. Pet portrait is only 50 bucks. And I will still give you a discount if you sign out on my mailing list. And stay tuned. There will be another discount coming if you already subscribed. The one thing I can promise you is that I will never stop exploring something fun, original, local, that does not have a negative environmental impact. And that's made just for you. Like I said, if I make apparel, if I make anything, I made these things with my own two hands. I have no factory. I have a supplier that gets me all the things. But everything that comes from my website, everything that I'm selling, I make them with my own hands just for you. That's what he said.